You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. There are dozens of configurations that are set that are time sensitive and that if they're not done correctly, the underlying security assumptions that we operate on may be broken. That's Maggie Haurgi. She's a security researcher at Intel. The research we're discussing today is titled Three Firmware Blind Spots Impacting Security. It's interesting to think of a computer not just as one system, but as multiple small embedded systems combined into one, and each one of them having their own code that needs to be updated, that we need to make sure is authentic, is recent, hasn't been tampered with. And so if I'm talking to someone non-technical at all, I would describe it maybe as a lot of things happen between the moment when you push the reset button on your platform and when you actually see something on the screen. Can you give us a, a little bit of, of the history here, of the backstory, as, 
as uh, the systems have become more complex, as as computers are, are doing more and more things, um, does that mean that we have uh, more areas within the systems that, that are running their own firmware? It it may be. We usually have, you know, one type of memory and one type of uh, network card. They usually don't go up exponentially. Then we just have different combinations. And those combinations can be interesting because the awareness of what I'm running exactly is not always there. And that was the whole point of, of this article of what are the blind spots? Do we even know what we're running? Um, when you find a vulnerability in one of these components, knowing exactly which systems are affected, it can affect dozens of systems out there and making sure that each one of them has applied updates and are doing all the right things all at the, uh, at the right time, that all of these different components are working together and doing the right things is tricky. Hmm. Well, let's explore that. I mean, when you're looking into firmware, when you're trying to find those blind spots, can you take us through that process? How does it work? So we've identified three main ones. Firstly, it's important to just even know that firmware is a potential attack vector. Gardner named it one of the top three attack vectors for for platforms of firmware security. So uh, being aware that that it's potentially a problem one of the things that one of my mentors, uh, Joseph Fitzpatrick, he's a renowned hardware security researcher, mentions is to make sure to always know your CIA, your confidentiality, integrity, and availability. What specific security objectives do we have for our firmware? Do I care about the confidentiality of certain things? For example, your BIOS password. And if someone had access to my flash content, they may be able to see it, and that may be an authentication bypass, and that would be problematic. So I probably care about confidentiality for my UEFI password. Availability, making sure that my firmware hasn't been corrupted so that we don't have a potential permanent denial of service that can be cumbersome and costly is important. We want to make sure their systems are available to be used and um, integrity. Goes, goes a little bit with the availability, making sure that I'm running what I think I'm running, that I'm, what I'm running is authentic, and that what I'm running is recent. Now, how do you go about verifying that? As a, as a researcher, if you're going in and examining firmware in a system, can you walk us through the steps that you take to, to ensure that, that what you're seeing is what's supposed to be there? So there are many things that we can do. There are features like hardware roots of trusts that do just this, right? That make sure that, that that perform measurements and verification on the firmware that we're running to make sure that it's authentic and, and that we're running what we think we're running. But there's also tools to check the configuration of a platform because that can be complex. Uh, it can be defined differently for different generations of platforms. And there's a lot of different configurations to, to check. So running scanners like Chipsec that give visibility into all these configurations are recommended. And Chipsec, for example, is a is an open source project that's supported by Intel as well as the security community. So and it's one of the good things about Chipsec is that it's incremental. So as we find more things and more things are reported to Intel or proactively found, we add them to the scanner so that we can raise the bar across the industry and everybody customers, end users, and OEMs are 
able to check for the correct configuration of their specific system. What sort of advice do you have for organizations that want to start down this path? Perhaps they haven't, uh, they haven't really paid much attention to the firmware side of things. It's sort of out of sight, out of mind. Um, how do they get going? Where, where do they begin? The single most simple and powerful step towards improving platform security are regular updates. So we've really come a long way as a security industry in companies having their in-house research teams and having security conferences almost every day somewhere around the world and having bug bounties where companies work with researchers around the world to fix proactively fix things that, that are found, coordinated disclosure and embargo, security advisories. If we don't install those, if we don't take advantage of what's there, you know, we increase the, the window of opportunity for potential attackers that may not even need to be all that sophisticated, that just saw an update and noticed that now there's, there's a window of opportunity to do uh, some malicious thing here. Are there any common misperceptions that people have when it comes to firmware? Any common things that you see where people's understanding isn't really what it should be? I think more than the understanding, it's either awareness or there are there are real reasons why companies and organizations struggle with prompt firmware updates, for example. The downtime can be costly. There can be fear of breaking a platform and having that be potentially catastrophic with industrial control systems or critical infrastructure. So it's a complex field and there are real reasons why we're not moving in a more swift way. But the largest thing I would say is awareness and then taking steps and precautions so that we don't fall into these fears and and potential real problems that can arise with updates, for example. Where do you suppose we're headed? What does the future look like uh, when it comes to how we're going to deal with firmware, how we're going to protect it? I believe we're going to continue to evolve and continue to get more sophisticated as higher levels of the stack have been hardened. The attention has focused more and more on hardware and firmware level security. So the the natural order of things is we're just going to get more sophisticated. We're going to get better at it. We're already a lot better than we used to be. Well, the kind of things that keep me up at night are quotes. I heard a quote that, that really resonated with me that said, Old days are scarier than old days. Um, for firmware, I think this is particularly true, especially with the with, with the timelines that it takes for us to, to be able to get updates and, and for people to, to choose whether or not they want to install them. So one of my big fears is, is having a WannaCry type scenario in firmware or hardware that is potentially catastrophic, where we have fixes for the issues, but it, it hasn't been patched. So hopefully... We, we get better at figuring out ways to patch in ways that are less dangerous. What about trying to discover what you don't know, you know, to know what you don't know? I guess I'm thinking of, you know, is it practical to audit your firmware? To I'm, I'm imagining that person who has a system that's, that's running fine, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking about that old adage of, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, but I, I suppose uh, you can't function that way these days. You, you have to go in there and, uh, well, I guess it's a best practice to make sure that the firmware is what it's supposed to be. 
Yes, and that is the main issue and the main blind spot is visibility. Um, I always like to tie it back to a house example. If if you come back to your house one day and the door is open or there's a broken window, you clearly know that potentially something happened and you can go look and find something missing. But if someone has potentially installed a backdoor in your system, they could be just persisting and doing nothing for a long period of time or they could be um, having a keylogger installed that sends all of your keystrokes somewhere. There's not a red flag. There's the detection of my system is in a correct configuration in which I expect it to be, but also did something happen? Uh, the visibility for, for us to, to, to detect both of those scenarios, I think are, are, are where we can tackle the lack of visibility, right? Installing and using mm. tools. Do you find that, that people tend to be a little intimidated when it comes to firmware? I believe so. I believe people think it's some dark, obscure art, and that's not necessarily the case, right? It's, it's software at the end of the day. In your mind, what are the take-homes? When, when you uh, sort of send someone off with your words of wisdom when it comes to uh, firmware, what sort of things do you share? We need to make sure that we have a plan in place to know what we're protecting against and what we're not. Do we care about evil maids? physical presence? Is that in scope, out of scope? What is our CIA? What are security objectives to protect our firmware security? Um, make sure that we're installing firmware updates on a regular cadence, that we have a strategy for that, and that we're also checking the configuration of our platforms to make sure they're in a state where we expect them to be. Our thanks to Maggie Hauregi for joining us. The research is titled Three Firmware Blind Spots Impacting Security. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily, 
and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. Thank you.